Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. We are going to do part one of a two-part series on how to critically think and solve problems. The theme of this series is going to be not what to think, but how to think. So what is problem solving? Well, it's a logical process of thinking how to strategically solve problems to achieve a desired result. We want you to keep asking why. Why is this happening? So a good tip is when there is a problem or a perceived problem, make sure you find the root cause and then come up with a solution. A lot of times we go from problem straight to solution. Let's use an example here. So a fever, how does that start off? Well, first we feel hot, right? So if we feel hot, that's a symptom of a fever. So we often experience a symptom first, we feel hot, so we don't wanna jump to a conclusion and go and get an ice pack. Well, maybe, but will that solve the root cause of the problem? Not really. So once we get that symptom of feeling hot, we then want to understand what's going on. So we need some data. So we use a thermometer, take our temperature, our standard temperature for humans should be about 98.6 Fahrenheit, a range of 97 to 99. That's what normal looks like. Your temperature reads 101, it's a verified problem. It's not just an assumption or a symptom, right? So once you have that actual problem with data backing it up, then you want to find out the reason why, why this problem is happening and what is causing it. So if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solution. So before we get too far into it, I want to talk about a problem solving mindset. So this will help set you up. That way you'll be able to really effectively solve problems and get to the truth a lot of times. So to have a nice problem-solving mindset, you want to make sure that you're using reason and logic rather than emotion. You need to take all the assumptions that you had and just throw them out the door because you're going to let logic lead you to conclusions. So we don't want to jump to any conclusions. So show lots of humility. It's good to be wrong because if you're wrong, you're learning something. So go and prove yourself wrong. Having a nice problem-solving mindset means that you're considering all reasonable possibilities, that you're willing to reassess information and change your thinking if you're provided with new data and facts that support the opposite of what you originally thought. So just maintain an open mind and look at different perspectives and make sure you have lots of humility and you could reflect on it. That way you continue to learn. And here are a few things that you want to avoid when solving problems. One, assuming you know what the problem is based on what you think. Number two, assuming you know how to fix a problem without finding out what is causing it. And three, assuming you know what is causing the problem without confirming it. So what I'm going to cover with you today is a six-step problem-solving method. And then I'm going to be answering a bunch of questions that I put out on LinkedIn and that I sent out an email blast. And I'll be going through those, have some really good questions. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun answering all those, doing the best that I can. So let's go through the six-step problem-solving method, and it does apply to organizations, to your department, and even we'll talk about how it applies to you as an individual. So let's go through the six steps. Step one is understand the problem. Step two is identify the root cause, and sometimes cause is. Step three is determine possible solutions, so kind of weigh out your options. Step four is implement the solution. Try it out. Step five is monitor the results, see if it's working or not. Step six is to standardize it. If it works, then we want to keep that as the best practice and keep, keep that alive, keep doing those things. And then often we want to share or write down or kind of record and reflect on what we did and kind of our problem-solving journey. And we could share with others to possibly help them out as well. So what are these problems I'm talking about? 
All right. So a problem is a deviation from the standard. It is a gap between what we expect to happen and what actually happens. Sometimes we have perceived problems that really come from making assumptions and having theories, but it's not always actual facts. So to define a problem is something that we could prove. And a good way to prove a problem and to show that you actually have a problem and not an assumption or just an opinion is to have a quantifiable metric or measurement tied to that problem. So if I'm a student, I could say I expect and my parents expect me to get a 3.5 GPA, but I did not get that. I got a 3.2 GPA. So I deviated from that expectation from that standard by 0.3. So I have a 0.3 of a problem. Another way looking at problems in a business sense is safety, quality, productivity, morale, and looking at performance measurements within those. So productivity, looking at pieces per labor hour, quality, looking at first time through or accuracy. You look look at sales. So we expected to have this much in revenue this year, but we actually got this instead. So some problems are good problems when you made more money than you thought you were going to make, but it's still a problem, right? It's something we didn't plan for that happen anyways. So there's problem solving and there's continuous improvement and there is a difference. So when you have to solve a problem, that means you need to get back to normal. So say your first time through quality was 85%, that's your goal, and you got 80%, well, you have a gap of 5%. So you need to problem solve and get back up to normal of 85% because that's your goal, that's what you expect to get. Now, continuous improvement is thinking of a way to go from your 85% that you always get every month and now going to 87%, right? That's an improvement. All right, so let's break down the six-step process a little bit more. So we'll go step-by-step, and then I'm gonna read some of the questions that people had for me about problem solving. When we look at step one, which is understand the problem, what this really means in the business terms is understanding how the problem impacts the business. Is it a problem? Is it a perception? Is it an assumption? How do we know it's a problem? We know it's a problem by quantifying it, by collecting data so that we have facts. We need facts to show that it is a true problem. When someone could state a problem using quantifiable terms and facts, I know that they're starting to understand it. So a good business problem statement would be something like, in November, there were 52 more rejects than our normal 35 rejects per 1,000 parts produced. When you state what should be happening versus what is actually happening, the gap in between those two, that's the problem. So once we understand the problem, we want to start breaking it down. And that gets us into step two, which is identify the root cause. And a great tool that I use to identify root causes in a brainstorm, especially in a small group, group of people who were all out solving a problem. I'll use a cause and effect diagram or a fishbone analysis tool. It's the same thing, just a way to get everyone's thoughts on what is possibly contributing to a problem. So it's just a way to break down any problem to start getting to the root cause. What I like to do next is a five why analysis. And sometimes it's three, sometimes it's seven whys, but it's really about asking why is that occurring? And why is that happening? Then why is that happening? So it's getting to the root cause. So an example of a five why, if we look at the problem being you wake up in the morning and your car will not start. So you wanna ask why? Well, the battery is dead. Ask why again. So why is the battery dead? The alternator is not functioning. Well, why is that happening? Well, the alternator belt has broken. So let's ask why again. So why did the alternator belt break? 
Well, because the alternator belt was well beyond its useful service life and has never been replaced. Well, why did that happen? It could be because you haven't been maintaining your car according to the recommended service schedule. So it could be a, a time management issue. So the last why is typically your root cause. So if we jump back up to the top of the five why where we said the battery is dead is the root cause and we stopped there and didn't keep asking why, then our solution from the battery is dead is to go get a new battery. But that would not solve our problem, right? So we want to keep troubleshooting, diagnosing, asking why to get to the root cause of the problem because that's what we want to fix. So sometimes there's a short-term solution but we need to come back and get that long-term solution. So in the car analogy, what we want to do for the short-term solution is to go repair the alternator belt, go get a new one or take it to a mechanic so that they could replace it. But then we also have to do something about the maintenance schedule as well. So we have to solve for that problem too. So often there's multiple things that lead to a problem. All right. So using the fishbone and the five Y method that should help us determine what the root cause is. After we identify that root cause, now we want to determine some possible solutions to fix the root cause to make sure that it never comes back the best that we can. So sometimes, like I was saying, there's some short-term solutions, but most importantly, we have to focus on the long-term solutions. That way they don't pop up. But sometimes we have to put a Band-Aid on the way if we cut ourselves on the way to the hospital to stop the bleeding, but we still need to go in and sometimes get that surgery. When we get in trouble is... When we just keep getting into a vicious cycle of just putting these little band-aids or little quick fixes, when we have a headache and we feel hot, we just grab an ice pack instead of going to solve the actual root cause, which would be the infection in that analogy there. So once we determine possible solutions, then we'll get into implementing them. But a great way to determine possible solutions is to not do it all alone, is to ask for help, get some other perspectives right? So you want to get diverse thoughts and thinking into determining possible solutions. Look at the best return on investment. Then as you do step four, which is implement the solution, you really need to come up with a plan. Think about who's going to be impacted by the solution. If you're doing it in a business, what other departments are impacted, how does it affect the customer, right? So you have to consider all those things. That way you could communicate that, hey, this change is coming. So for implement solution is really a lot about change management. Then five, monitoring the results is keeping a scoreboard, tracking your key performance metrics. That way we know if the solution that we came up with actually fixed the root cause or sometimes maybe it made it worse. So monitoring the numbers that we started with, with understanding the problem, when we quantify that problem, we want to keep looking at those same metrics to see if the changes that we made are actually working, which leads us into a decision with number six. So if they're not working, we want to jump back and reassess our fishbone, go find what the root cause actually was and try it again. So that decision comes with step six, which is standardizing and share. Well, if it didn't work, we don't want to standardize it yet. So we make a decision to see if it is worth standardizing or not. And then, but if it didn't work, we do want to share lessons learned. Hey, let other departments know, other organizations know, your friends know, tried this, didn't work. Don't waste your time doing that. Now I'm going to try this. All right, so let's take a few minutes and let's respond to some of the questions that I received via email and LinkedIn. And these are a mix of personal problem-solving questions and business problem-solving questions. So the first one was, 
What is the best way to approach problems that happen in other departments but affect your department? So that's a tough one. So I would definitely say when you're practicing the problem solving method, try and pick problems that are happening in your own area that are within your control, right? Because it's easier to blame other departments and to say they need to solve their problems. But I call it like, you know, it's like you go into your next door neighbor's house and telling them to mow their lawn when your lawn is a mess as well. So every department has problems. So you could say the biggest problem of all is not having any problems at all, because that means you're not seeing the problems. But with that said, if you have solved a lot of your problems, but there is this big problem in another department that's really impacting yours, then I would recommend going through the six step problem solving process with them without blaming them for anything and trying to come to a solution together and maybe giving them information how you as the customer in that situation, if you are uh, another department, just saying how it's impacting you and using quantifiable terms to describe the problem and handle it that way. So great question. Uh, the next question, what are the most difficult problems to solve? So I would say those are ones that involve people because people are very complex. And sometimes even when there's a problem that you solve and it makes things even better than before, it's an improvement. People have a hard time dealing with that. So ones that involve people, which are pretty much all problems, but it's just doing it the right way. So those are, are difficult. Anything that involves change, I would say. The next question, what happens when you get stuck in finding workable solutions? If you are stuck, use metrics. Dollars is a great measurement to use. What's going to save the most money with the least amount of effort. And then sometimes it could be in phases. I find that a lot too, where sometimes you work with very creative people and they'll, they'll come up with, right? If I just need to move my coffee from point A to point B, they'll come up with a drone that could pick it up and deliver it all the way over to point B and do all this complex things where sometimes you don't need that. So you might want to say, maybe that's phase two, that's down the line. So hopefully that answers your question. So the next one is how do you separate and decide the right choice when there are so many? So that, that's kind of similar to the, the last question. I let the tiebreaker go to who, what's the biggest return on investment and then try and get a consensus from the people involved. So what helps is when you involve people in the solution process, in the decision-making process, you involve people who are going to be impacted by whatever solution you come up with. So getting their voice involved at the beginning definitely makes things go a lot smoother later on. All right, the next question. How do you measure success when problem solving? So I would say success is, did you solve the root cause? Are you back up to normal? So you won't know if you're successful or not unless you quantified the problem up front in the understanding problem phase, which is step one. That's why it's so important because you won't know if it's fixed or not if you're not if you don't have any metrics so i would say yeah and i guess what a bonus would be is if not only did you fix the problem get back to normal but you've exceeded that you've even improved the standard so now you set a new sense of normal when do you know if you need to get outside help to help solve a problem so i would say if you go through the the problem solving process and you just tried all the different things that you wrote on your fishbone and the five why and it's not seeming to fix something i know as a consultant this might be a weird weird answer but I would, before going to a consultant, I would get someone outside of your organization or department, just have a, a different pair of eyes on it and kind of run them by the, the problems that you're seeing. And if you still can't solve it or it's real complex and maybe requires some statistical analysis, some Six Sigma, yeah, definitely reach out. But a lot of problems could be solved with enhancing communication and involving people within your organization that are just maybe in a different department. 
Next question. What if the solution requires too much time or money? Yeah, that's a, it's a business decision. So I, I would look at doing a break-even analysis, how much money up front you have to spend to get the, at least get back to breaking even and how long will that take? I don't like to select projects that take, come up with solutions that take over two years or more to get a return to break even. I learned this from Mr. Shingo from Toyota is to think with your brain, not with your wallet. So do the things that you can without spending any money and then go from there. Next question. What if my solution always points back to what we've already tried? Hmm. That's an interesting one. So it points back to what you already tried and you just keep doing the same thing over and over. Then I would, I would again, kind of get an outside perspective and try to improve things then. If you're just kind of going back to the same standard, then think outside of the box and say, how do we get even even further along? How do we grow even more? Next question, just a few more. What are some headaches about problem solving? Um, I would say when all the, the components of a problem aren't visible and you have to wait for information, you can't see everything that's going on or I guess the more complex ones are when there's multiple shifts and if there's a graveyard that's experiencing problems and they're sleeping during the day when you need to talk to them and it's just there, there's kind of that where bad communication I think gives me a headache about problem solving which everyone could be there at one time and work together and all seeing the same things but that's not always the case. Two more questions. So what books do you recommend? So definitely the Use Soils book that is coming out where I talk about how to optimize, how to grow, and then I talk about my six-step problem-solving process in it with the help of Monica Bodet, Dustin Starling. So we all wrote that book together. That's coming out at the end of this year, and it should be available for everyone even January 1st. I also recommend Managing to Learn. That's a great book. And Fifth Discipline, and that's more for organizational problem-solving and learning. Managing to Learn, that is, I would say, for individuals to help solve problems. Final question, does problem solving work for personal use and personal problems? Yes, it sure does. I think just the the practice of understanding problems, being able to prove that it's a problem instead of making an assumption, thinking of the root cause, and then coming up a solution that solves the root cause is very helpful for solving personal problems, but kind of with a caveat of looking at things you can control versus can't control. So to stress and worry about problems that are outside of your control, then don't spend your time on those. Think about the things that you can control, things that you can impact in your own environment, and what what little small things could you do to help solve those problems. So that's all I have for the podcast today. Hopefully you enjoyed it. This is one of my favorite topics to talk about. So make sure to check the description and sign up for this problem solving class that I'll be conducting. The link to sign up for that will be in the description. So really appreciate it. Thank you.